Real Life presents the Jack Hibbs Podcast with intention and boldness to proclaim truth, equip the saints, and impact our culture. Now open your hearts to what God's Word has to say to you. Here is Jack Hibbs. I have to tell you right now, uh, there is no way that I'm going to be able to please everyone tonight in light of the direction that we're going by necessity. I'm going to ask you tonight, if you have young eyes that are here this evening, uh, you might want to actually probably go, get, go out and go get them an ice cream cone or something. I'm going to be, or, thank you. Yeah, we do have children's ministry here. Um, <laughs> that's a great idea. Uh, we're going to be showing some extremely graphic uh, uh, material. And when I say graphic, um, I'm talking about uh, violent material. And if any of you adults write me later and say, that was just too extreme. I just want you to know I have my opinion about being silly at a time like this. Don't, don't pull some pious attitude that, oh, I was so offended by what you showed me. The truth is, the reason why our country is in the condition it is is because there's too many Pharisees running around and not enough people engaged in what's happening. So, I'm going to ask you to, to, to have a heart as soft as a dove and skin as tough as a rhino. And that's how you and I need to live in this life. Okay? So tonight is a night where we're going to be hosting something that is both a report on what's going on, what we need to do about it. It's a podcast at the same time. That's why the setting is how it is. And by God's grace, it might, we hope, get out all over, all over the place because we think we have something to say. And so church family, there's no need to stand, but I'm going to ask the guys to put Psalm 139 on the screen, and I will read it. I'm going to ask you to pay close attention as we look at this. In light of Proposition 1, which they probably just shut us down, can't even say that, now I have to spell it, by the way, cryptically. In light of it, listen to this. Psalm 139, verse 1, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your right or laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If, I'm, if I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. Your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. That's important verse. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you. Hide, 
Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. You being God, of course. For you, God, formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you, God, when I was made in secret. Listen now. And skillfully wrought in the lower parts of the earth. That's a reference to the womb. Your eyes saw my substance yet are being yet unformed. And in your book, think of that, instruction manual. They all were written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. The power of God's truth announces that God was involved in your forming, your conception, your development as a child, as, as, an in, as a fetus, and your delivery as a baby. And God doesn't take that lightly. God everywhere is the evidence of God's creative powers. And no more evident than the life of a human being. The path that we take tonight, I'm going to speak directly. I'm going to, I'm going to speak candidly. I'm going to speak personally. But I do so because of God's view of life. And we are now in a nation that has caused me to no longer be concerned about any other battlefield or ground on planet Earth. With all due respect, I have suspended care for what is going on in Syria or Lebanon or Ukraine or Russia or Nepal or areas of Cambodia. You wanna know why? The biggest battleground and the biggest war that's taking place in this nation, if not the world by other countries, because it's demonic, is the murder of children in the womb, is the slaying of children. If people want to get upset about people dying because of COVID or Vietnam War or the Civil War or what's happening with our borders or what's going on right now in Ukraine, it's nothing compared to the systematic numbers that are racking up every day by murdering children. And God has had enough. I believe God has done. I believe that God has had enough of this. God is about to act. I don't know what that means. But he who sits in the heavens, the Bible says in Psalm 2, shall laugh when he brings us into calamity. And America has qualified... And California has been the qualifier. We are leading the way. The golden state is now drenched in blood. To set things up, I'm going to ask you to put your eyes to the screens. I think you might appreciate this. I was offered a position as associate professor of medicine and chief of scientific visualization at uh, Yale University uh, in the Department of Medicine. 
And my job was to write um, many of the algorithms and code for NASA to do virtual surgery in preparation for the astronauts going into deep space flight so they could be cut in robotic pods. One of the fascinating things about what we were actually working on is that we were seeing, using new kind of scanning technologies, things that had just had never been seen before. I mean, not only in disease management, but also things that allowed us to see things about the body that just made you marvel. Listen. Uh, I remember one of the first times we were looking at collagen, and your entire body, everything, your hair, skin, bone, nails, everything is made of collagen, and it's a kind of a rope-like structure that twirls and swirls like this, and the only place that collagen changes its, its structure is in the corner of your eye. In your eye, it becomes a grid formation, and therefore it becomes transparent as opposed to opaque. Mm -hmm. So perfectly organized a structure, it was hard not to attribute divinity to it because we Did kept on that? seeing this over and over and over again in different parts of the body. One of the opportunities I had was um, uh, one person was working on a really interesting kind of micromagnetic resonance imaging machine with the NIH. And what we were going to do is scan uh, a new project on the development of the fetus from conception to birth using these kinds of new technologies. So I wrote uh, the algorithms in code and he was building, he built the hardware. Paul Lodebro uh, then went on to win the Nobel Prize for inventing the MRI. I got the data. And uh, I'm going to show you a sample of that piece from conception to birth. As you look at this, remember NASA funded this. This is a deep space research experiment. But this is what came out of it. This is actual footage.
<laughs> yeah, that, that evolution is something, isn't it? As you can it? see, when you actually start working right? with this data, it's pretty spectacular. And as we kept on scanning more and more, you know, uh, working on this project, looking at these two simple cells that had this kind of unbelievable machinery that will become the magic of you. And as we kept on working on this data, looking at small clusters of the body, these little you know, pieces of tissue that were the trophoblast coming off of the blastocyst, all of a sudden burrowing itself into the side of the uterus, saying, you know, I'm here to stay, all of a sudden having a conversation of communications of the estrogens, the progesterones, saying, you know, I'm here to stay, plant me, building this incredible trilinear fetus that becomes within 44 days something that you can recognize, and then at nine weeks is really like a kind of a little human being. The marvel of this information, how do we actually have this biological mechanism inside our body to actually see this information. I'm going to show you something pretty unique. Here's a human heart at 25. It's just basically two strands. And like this magnificent origami, cells are developing at, you know, one million cells per second at four weeks as it's just folding on itself. Within five weeks, you can start to see the early atrium and early ventricles. Six weeks, these folds are now beginning with the papilla and the inside of the heart actually being able to pull down each one of those valves in your heart until you get actually a mature heart and then basically the development of the entire human body. The magic of the mechanisms inside each genetic structure saying exactly where that nerve cell should go. The complexity of these, the mathematical models on how these things are indeed done are beyond human comprehension. Even though I am a mathematician, I look at this with a marvel of how do these instruction sets not make these mistakes as they build what is us. It's a mystery, it's magic, it's divinity. I mean, then when you start to take a look at an adult life, take a look at this little tuft of capillaries. It's just a tiny sub-substructure, microscopic, but basically by the time you're nine, you know, nine months and you've given birth, you have almost 60,000 miles of vessels inside your body. <laughs> I mean, and only one mile is visible, 59,999 miles that are basically bringing nutrients and taking waste away. The complexity of building that within a single system is again beyond any comprehension of any existing mathematics today. And then instruction set from the brain to every other part of the body. Look at the complexity of the folding. Where is this intelligence of knowing that a fold can actually hold more information? So as you actually watch the baby's brain grow, and this is one of the things that we're doing right now, we're actually doing a longitudinal studies of actually scanning a baby's brains from the moment they're born every six months until they're six years old. We're gonna be doing actually about 250 children, watching exactly how the jirai and the sukai of the brains fold to see how this magnificent develop actually turns into memories and the marvel that is us. And it's not just our own existence, but how does the woman's body understand to have genetic structure that not only builds her own, but then has the understanding that allows her to become a walking mm. immunological cardiovascular you know, system <laughs> that basically is a mobile system that can actually nurture and treat this child. A mobile system. That you know, is beyond, again, our comprehension, the magic that is existence that is us. Thank you. <laughs> you guys. So, I've searched, I've, I've looked and researched him more. There's no evidence I can find anywhere that he's a believer, that he's a born-again Christian. Did you hear how many times he mentioned marvelous, the divine? Impo it's impossible. He said, I'm a mathematician, and what I'm looking at, it's impossible to calculate. 
Tonight, I want to bring to you the appreciation of life and how, why, how and why. We need to make sure, listen up, that we make a difference in our life regarding the lives that you and I have, that we cannot in any way, shape, or form as a viable people be complicit or somehow apathetic regarding the battleground that is greater than Ukraine at this hour with children being slain in the womb and that increasing here in the state of California with our state taking the direction it has. Something has to be done, church, family, and beyond. I appeal to people who are not people of faith tonight to simply look like this scientist looked from NASA and said, this is divinity. I want you to consider a world and a life bigger than your own feelings and your own, your own preconceived wants. To come to the conclusion that God is real and that he's the judge of nations and that he's the savior of souls and what he hates the most is he the, he's the one that also is the one that pronounces condemnation upon the damned because of their decision making. And so tonight I want to welcome all of you and I want to say a few things that I hope get you thinking that in a real sense that every single one of us in this room and beyond are truly honestly pro-choice people, pro-choice people. Let me explain. It is a God-given prerogative of the human being to be pro-choice in all matters. Follow with me now. You hear what I'm saying, right? The word, the words, the word pro-choice. But I say it's impossible for you to be pro-choice when regarding pregnancy and abortion. Let me explain. Pregnancy is not possible without either some external fertilization process or natural intercourse. Both of these are easily argued as scientific actions and they are pro-choice actions. Do you hear me? What I just said are pro-choice actions. It is a pro-choice to move ahead with in vitro fertilization. It's pro-choice to move ahead and have intercourse. Both accomplish the same ends done differently. What is the outcome? Life. So deciding later after in vitro fertilization or any other type of artificial insemination or intercourse, to decide later after the science has already, as designed, taken place. To then change your mind and to say that you are pro-choice is illogical, it's impossible, because it's too late. You don't like what I'm saying, but it's too late. When you pull a trigger and a bullet comes out of a barrel, it's too late. 
When a word flies out of your mouth and hurts somebody, it's too late. We want to be a culture that does not have absolutes. We demand that there'll be no penalty or price paid for our ill conduct or mistake or bad idea. And it is impossible sociologically, scientifically, psychologically to live like that. Every action has its necessary result. So play along with me if you would. Get, get your voice ready, okay? What goes up must... Roses are red, violets are blue. K, Sarah, Sarah, whatever. In the year 1492, Columbus sailed. I'll just throw this one in. She wore an itsy bitsy, teeny weeny, <laughs> yellow polka dot. <laughs> the young kids are going, Listen, the opposite of death is? The opposite of life is? The opposite of pro-life is? Death, yeah, very good. The opposite of pro-choice is? The opposite of pro-choice is? Listen to you, you're confused. No, no, no. You're naturally confused. Let me say this again. The opposite of death is life, you said. The opposite of life is death, you said you're correct. The opposite of pro-life is death. If you're pro-life, right? The opposite of that is pro-death. But if you're pro-choice, the answer would be actually that you are pro-not-choice. You never heard that before, have you? Why isn't the argument, those that are pro-life, like many of us here tonight, not all of us, but many of us, we're pro-life, means we want life to live. Why isn't the natural language used for the other team? Why isn't it pro-death for the other team? What do you mean pro-choice? We all are pro-choice. I chose to have sex with that woman, she got pregnant. She chose to have sex with me. She got pregnant. Are you hearing me? The guy walks away, scot-free. Young ladies, are you listening to me? I'm old enough to be your grandpa. Listen, when you have girls born into your family as I have, our daughters, people say, oh, what a wonderful thing to have a daughter. It is a wonderful thing to have a daughter, but the problem is, I've got 800,000 men that live in this county I have to watch out for. If you have one boy, you've got one boy to watch out for. But if you have a daughter, you've got nearly a million men, young boys growing up to, that's going to think your daughter's cute. Why? Why is that a case? Why does a father preside over the welfare of his daughter with extra care? It's not that he... he doesn't love her any less or any more. It's that her very existence is open to greater catastrophes. 
And so the opposite of pro-life is pro-death. And the opposite of pro-choice, it's not I'm opposed to choices. You can't choose. From here on out, ladies and gentlemen, it's pro-choice or pro-death. To allow any other narrative into the communication and conversation is to coddle the ill and evil intent to soothe the sting of what taking a child's life through abortion means. To say you're pro-choice is a lie. And we're done with it. Our governor has released the whirlwind. He has released a host of demonic forces that this nation has never seen before. What is tragic across this United States as at this hour, many states and Christians and good citizens are not even aware that their governors now are signing on to Gavin Newsom's violent war against children. And it's starting to surface and you're gonna hear a lot about it in the next few weeks as this election comes if people have the guts enough to speak up and let it be exposed. Not for me any longer. You're either pro-choice or you're pro-death. The pro-choice debate ended when the both of you decided to have sex. None of us were stupid. We knew from very young ages that if we do something, which by the way, we had an internal alarm system going off, we ought not to be doing this. <laughs> but we did it anyway. And the world wants us to smile at their actions and then to stand silent as they take a human life to cover up what they don't want anymore, or what they didn't want in the first place. They, don't, they didn't want to deal with the scientific ramifications of biology, chemistry, of human procreation. And we've all lied to ourselves, and we've lied to other people, as they lie to us. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet, for sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes. I submit to you tonight that that's where we are as a nation. We think we're so smart. And we're not. Job 10, verse 8 says, Your hands have made me and fashioned me, Intricate uh, unity, yet you would, you would destroy me. Remember, I pray that you have made me like clay, and you will turn me into dust again. Did you not pour me out like milk and curdle me like cheese? Clothe me with skin and flesh and knit me together with bones and sinew? You have granted me life and favor. And your care has preserved my spirit, says ancient Job. So family, this church service tonight, this podcast, this broadcast, is an announcement regarding the support and defense of life. I'm dedicated to speak up and out regarding that, based on the Bible, 
There's a lot of Christians today saying that you can be a Christian and be pro-choice. That's a lie from hell. That's heresy. It's impossible. You got to pick one. You got to pick one. You can't do both. There are pastors teaching the same thing. Shame on them. Jesus would say, woe unto you. Proverbs 31 verse 8 says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. Proverbs 24, 11 says, deliver those who are drawn toward death and hold back those stumbling to the slaughter. That's what sidewalk counselors are doing. It's legal. People will yell and scream, why don't you guys go home? Why don't you guys be quiet? Why don't you guys leave? The sidewalk is public property. And all they're trying to do is announce to you, you are moving headlong towards destruction. And it's not only your destruction, but you are about to destroy something that God highly values. If you say, surely we did not know this, does not he who weighs the hearts consider it? Yes, he does. I want you to look to the screen again. And check this out. This is Olivia. Though she has yet to greet the outside world, she has already completed an amazing journey. This is the moment that life begins. A new human being has come into existence. At fertilization, her gender, ethnicity, hair color, eye color, and countless traits are already determined. She begins to implant in the uterus about one week after fertilization. Her cells organize into what we call an embryo. At three weeks and one day, just 22 days after fertilization, Olivia's heartbeat can be detected. The buds of her arms and legs appear by four weeks. She begins to move between five and six weeks with both spontaneous and reflexive movements. At six weeks from fertilization, her brain activity can be recorded and bone formation begins. She can bring her hands together at seven and a half weeks and separate fingers and toes emerge she can also begin to hiccup. At the beginning of the ninth week, Olivia will have grown from a single cell into nearly one billion cells, and she is now called a fetus. She will suck her thumb and swallow, grasp an object, touch her face, sigh and stretch. At 11 weeks, she is playing in the <laughs> womb, moving her body and exploring her environment. Her taste bud cells have matured by week 12, but are still scattered throughout her mouth. Her mother will first sense Olivia's movement between 14 and 18 weeks, an event called quickening. Beginning at 18 weeks, ultrasounds show speaking movements in her voice box. 
around 20 weeks, with a lot of help, babies have survived outside the womb. At 27 weeks, her eyes are responding to light. She can recognize her parents' voices and will even recognize lullabies and stories. Olivia has gone on an amazing journey during these last nine months. She will soon signal to her mother that it is time for delivery and greet the outside world. <laughs> she will soon signal to her mother that she's ready. And boy, is mom going to find that out. Did you see those weeks? In California, those weeks are now no matter. They are no issue in this state regarding what is a living being. Stupid, stupid fools. You must have a living sperm to collide with a living egg to have living conception takes place. But the pontificators of politics say it's not life. We'll decide when it's life. These are the people we send as our leaders. And they have angered the God of heaven, the God of engineering, the God of design. We need to simply speak the truth and stop being cowards and address the issues. There are people running for office that believe any period of that process of development is okay for abortion. Don't, don't even, if you're surprised by that, please don't make any gasp or sounds because you'll just embarrass yourself if you don't know this by now. There are people quite fine destroying a baby at 15 weeks, 20 weeks, 27 weeks, 30 weeks. And in California, it's the law that you can do that now. We'll talk a little bit about the law but I'm gonna ask you to put your eyes to the screen again and just simply look at this right here. Gavin Newsom signs 13. Abortion bills, by the way, do you know why your freeways are falling apart and your bridges are rusty? You wanna know why we can't keep this economy going? Because this dark Lord spends his time signing 13 abortion bills in one day, including infanticide, and then turns around and twists the words of Jesus Christ himself from the Bible to justify his actions. This is the manifestation of Belshazzar in Babylon in a drunken orgy making fun of God's people and God's implements. And while he was drunk with his buddies at 
probably the French laundries, probably what they called it in Babylon, a hand appeared and wrote, many, many tekuyufarsen, which means you have been weighed in the balances by God. He's weighed you in the balances and you have been discovered to be a lightweight, insufficient. You lose. And he died. God will not be mocked. Newsom now, because of the silence of the church in California and the timidity of pastors, silence has caused him to be full of confidence and where is it being leveled against? The unborn. Yeah, will he come after adults? Maybe, probably me. I don't know, we'll see. Doesn't matter. Seriously, it doesn't matter. This is the hour to die for truth because God says, I will destroy the God of the Bible. He lives, excuse me, hello everybody, he's alive. The God of the Bible, don't think his silence means that he's somehow agreeing with all of this. Don't think that God's patience means he doesn't care. God is holy and God is just and he is going to make an announcement. He is going to shake the earth because he will not be mocked. And so Newsom now believes he can play with the Bible. After spending two years of trying to shut down the church, now California's Pope uses the scripture and on top of it, he uses it wrong. And God saw it. In Jeremiah 32, verse 35, the Bible says, and they built the high places of Baal. You know what a high place was? A giant phallus. You know what a phallus is? They built giant erections in the land. And that's where they worshiped in front of them which are in the valley of the son of Hinnom to cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire to Moloch, which I did not command them, nor did it come to my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. They worshiped sex, and when they had children, they burned them before Moloch which, by the way, you, there's Molochs. You can go to the British Museum of, Nat- uh, of, uh, of History and they have Moloch statues there of various sizes. Antiquity tells us, though none have been yet discovered, that some of the Moloch deities carved out of bronze were up to 10, 15 feet tall. They were heated with coal or with wood until their bellies were glowing red hot and it had, it had hands like this. And the child that was taken out was placed on the altar of arms and rolled into the flames. And some people think that's gross. That doesn't shock too many people today. We, just, we don't do it like that anymore. We do it with a pill called RU-286. The pregnant woman takes a pill, ingests the pill, and that pill begins to go 
into effect and begins to tamper with the pregnancy in conjunction with or another type of assault on the baby is a saline abortion where, they, where the child's burned inside. But it's okay. It's the law, Christians say. Well, after all, it's law. How did it get to be law? Because pastors' apathy, that's how. Across the United States, I'm not just hammering on California's pastors. Jesus said in Matthew 18, 14, even so, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. So the origin of pro-death or the pro-death agenda, which again, on your ballot, you have candidates in this city running for school board who are pro-death candidates. And when you ask them the question so we can provide a voter guide for you, they refuse to answer. If they don't answer, they can't be on the record. They'll trust you to be dumb enough to vote for them. Let me ask you, in 2024, Newsom most likely is gonna be running for president. He'll absolutely win. There's no way that this nation would not vote. Don't laugh with what I'm about to tell you because we have proven this to be a fact. There is no way that a guy with that height, his youth and looks, the way he dresses and his hair, don't laugh, cannot lose. You say, that's a stupid thing to say. How many people have I talked to who said, they didn't believe in anything that Barack Obama uh, believed in, but they voted for him because he was black. That makes them a racist. Did you vote for Barack Obama because he was black? You're a racist. You ever think of that? And when Gavin Newsom and Michelle Obama team up, it will be an unbeatable ticket. You can't stop that. If that happens, I think it's the hand of God on a bloody nation. So the origin of pro-death, originally, I say originally, most recently, Assembly Bill 2223, many of you, some 3,000, gathered with me at the state capitol, and I testified before the state senate as to how bad it was. AB 2223 was known as the infanticide bill, as it would have legalized infanticide due to this uh, short uh, phrase in the bill, perinatal death due to pregnancy-related causes. Perinatal is defined as, listen, up to 30 days after the birth of the child in California code. Did you hear this? AB 2223, is now the law of this land. A child's death up to 30 days after birth may or may, may, or may not be okay. It depends on who's investigating, I guess, if they're allowed to. 
AB 2223 was amended, removing the original phrase and inserting a new phrase, perinatal death due to a cause that occurred in utero. Meaning, if the baby died while in utero, utero, the mother would be shielded from civil or criminal charges if she claimed the baby was not alive at birth. All she has to do is make the claim. What if the, what if the mother was pregnant and she took heroin? Do you know there's women in prison today because they were pregnant and they took drugs that would kill the baby when they were partying? Because the law three years ago or five years ago was the way that it was? This removes all that. And what's with the 30 days after birth? What's with that? Law enforcement agencies would be compelled to accept the mother's reasoning for the death because AB 223 would allow law enforcement personnel to be sued by the mother for investigating or threatening to investigate her pregnancy or delivery. Gavin Newsom, on September 27, 2020, signed the bill into law. That gave birth to what is known as Proposition 1. And it will be on the November ballot. You already have it on, at home. I got mine. Did you get yours yet? I got mine yesterday. It's at your house. Imagine it's at your house. At your house right now is a piece of paper that will determine what God does with this state. That's how every human, we all are all responsible for our decisions and our actions. And so I read on the November ballot to amend California state constitution to legalize late-term abortion for any reason during all 40 weeks of pregnancy up to the moment of birth. That's why I'm calling it the birthday abortion bill. I saw a graphic tonight. Gavin Newsom, the king of late-term abortions, like Jimmy Fallon, you know, the king of late-night shows. Or... Currently, late-term abortion is prohibited in California unless the procedure is necessary to protect the health or the life of the mother up to the point of viability. Viability means that the fetus could survive outside of the uterus without the requirement for physicians to make extraordinary medical steps, which is approximately 24 weeks or six months. Guys, I cue the next, the next piece. I already saw this, I know, but I want you to never forget this in light of where we're going. By the way, some people say, that looks like a dog. It looks like a dolphin. It looks like a cat. You ever heard that question or that statement? You want to know why? 
It's true. It does look like that, for a while anyway. The reason is because it's the same designer that designed life. He knows how it works. He's got a... Look at that. Eight weeks. Eight weeks. Are you pregnant eight weeks, nine weeks, ten weeks? Take a look. Fingerprints. Your baby's got fingerprints. At ten weeks, he or she's got fingernails. Twelve weeks. Reflex development. Sixteen weeks. Heart's pumping. Twenty-five quarts of blood each day. A little baby. <laughs> Twenty weeks. The baby can feel pain. Look at this. At 20 weeks, baby, 21 weeks, babies can survive outside the womb. 35 weeks, the baby recognizes her mother's voice. She is almost ready to be born. Full term, 40 weeks. Gavin Newsom says, kill the baby. Right there. This is proposition one. End it. Why don't we kill it? Let's kill it. It's an inconvenience. Let's kill it. They've been doing it for thousands of years at the altar of Moloch. Let's kill it. However, the language of Proposition 1 is very straightforward now compared to AB 2223. I quote, the state shall not deny or interfere with an individual's reproductive freedom. Reproductive freedom. You should have thought about that before you had sex. That's reproductive freedom. and their most intimate decisions, which includes their fundamental right to choose to have an abortion. What about the fundamental rights of the individual that's inside? You know that's another person inside, did you know that? Did you know that if you were, if you were to cut the mother open and draw her blood and look at her bones and parts, you would have all of the information, the exact, exact information, DNA coding that is her, and that her information never changed from the moment that mother was conceived as herself a baby. And inside of her is an exact replication of that entire process. The only problem is it's so tiny. Can't talk, can't defend itself, so kill it. All the DNA, all the data in the big person is the exact same data in the small person. But the small person, they don't have a voice. Well, they don't have a voice now. <laughs> there will be someone who will speak for them in the coming future. He's on his way. Yeah. Proposition one removes any previous limits on the time frame in which an abortion can take place during the 40 weeks of pregnancy. Including, listen to this, after viability. What does that mean? We just saw there, did you see that little baby at 21 weeks? Yeah. I've often played around with you guys and told you how I wish I 
started wearing a pastor cam, body cam, pastor cam, you know, like a police cam, body cam, pastor cam. You want to know why? I get to stand in the foyer or be somewhere around on this campus in the courtyard and a young couple will come up to me and they say, Pastor Jack, we're so excited, we're pregnant. So that's awesome. Sometimes they'll come to me and they say, we can't get pregnant. And I always ask them, uh, you, guys, you guys know how to do this thing, right? <laughs> yes, yes. So let's pray right now. And um, I will often just take the mom's, the, the, well, the hopeful mother, right? I'll have her... Take my hand, and I'll just put it over her tummy with her husband's hand, and I'll just, Lord, your Bible tells us that you open and close the matrix. It's a sovereign area. It's It's a sovereign move of God here. So, Lord, if you want them to have a baby, when and if, your will be done. If there's anything that's holding this up that ought not to be, heal her. Heal him. Bless him. In Jesus' name. And then they come up to me, radiant. We're pregnant, Pastor Jack. We're pregnant. And you know what? They go to the doctor and three, four months later, I see them in the foyer in the courtyard and they're crying. If I had a dollar for every time this happened, what's the matter? Well, the doctors are saying that the things just don't look right. Well, what does it look like? Well, they're saying that this doesn't seem that there's not enough fluid of this. The levels are that. And they're, and they're saying that we should abort it because they're, they're, they're saying that we should abort. And I said, what do you think God's telling you to do? To keep it. So then why are you crying? God caused this to happen. He's blessed you. And might I remind you Young, young couple, that we have technology now that allows our puny little brains to look into an area that God says is a sanctuary of holiness where he's assembling in a way that David said it's absolutely impossible to know about. So doctors can try their best, but they're looking into an area now with awesome technology and they're going, what the heck is that? They don't have a clue. Because God's the one doing that. I mean, I wish someday God, I wish someday they're looking in there and they just see this big thumb like this. You know? Or God going. And guess what happens? They encourage abortion. 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 Right out of the mouth. They say, no, we're going to keep the baby. And I... I wind up holding a perfectly brand new baby and everything about the story didn't come to pass or wasn't true. If I had a dollar, if that's you tonight, I want to encourage you. There was an epic event that took place recently that we're going to show you. It's not long. I love this young man. Kevin Kiley with his big little question caused the cogwheels of hell to stop in Sacramento. Take a look, it's refreshing. Thank you, Ms. Garcia. Mr. Kiley, you are recognized. California Health and Safety Code, section 123.468, states that if a fetus uh, is viable, then unless the health of the mother is at risk, then, quote, the performance of an abortion is unauthorized. Mr. Speaker, I have a question for the author. 
You know what? Can you guys? I'm Without sorry. Uh, can you pause it? Can you can you back up? Yeah. This is per- stop. Can you stop it? Okay, I got to tell you something. This is uh, this is personal. You see that girl sitting there with her phone? Somebody voted her into office. Okay, listen. I've been there. I've testified. I've seen elected officials while business of the state is taking place. I have been speaking and watched them either texting their friends, chuckle or laugh, or hear their phone divulge that they're playing a video game. I've seen it with these two peepers right here. Okay, I had to get that off my chest. Then unless the health of the mother is at risk, then quote, the performance of an abortion is unauthorized. Mr. Speaker, I have a question for the author. Without objection. California law generally bars the performance of an abortion past the point of fetal viability. Would this constitutional amendment change that? He's talking about Prop 1. (laughs) The author of the bill doesn't know what to say. God bless Kevin Kiley. Mr. Kiley, if you could please repeat your question, sir. <laughs> Wait, listen. law generally bars the performance of an abortion after the point of fetal viability. Would this constitutional amendment change that? I'll answer that question and others in my closing. Thank you. And I, uh, I recognize uh, the author's prerogative to answer the question uh, in their close rather than right now. I'll note there are a number of microphones up. Uh, I do think it'd be important to have clarification on this to inform the debate that is ahead of us. So maybe I'll try asking it uh, in a different way. For those of us who are about to vote on this legislation and for the millions of Californians uh, who would eventually vote on it, can you tell us right now whether this constitutional amendment uh, would change California law so as to generally authorize the performance of an abortion past the point of fetal viability and up until the moment of birth? Mr. Make a question in my closing, which is before the members of this body will vote. Guess what happened? He never answered. Ever. To this day. Never answered Kevin Kiley. Something's up. Killing babies is big business. Billions of dollars of business. But let's be honest, why would a, why would a particular political party be so committed so rabid about killing babies. Think about it for a moment. Listen, if you're, if you're challenged or offended by this, I, why are you? It's a multi-billion dollar business, people. Pastor? Well, you know... We don't get involved in these things because they're political. The reason why you say that is because you surrendered that fight a long time ago, and to make yourself feel better, you'll call it political. That makes you sleep at night. God will hold California's pastors 
the greatest judgment. We, commend, we commenced, or we commissioned, I should say, a Rasmussen poll on August 23rd that was completed this year, 2022. This is what we found. When we, or the Rasmussen Poll Corporation, explain Proposition 1, just like the author could not. 79% of California eligible voters say abortion would be limited to within the first six months of pregnancy. Listen. 79% of eligible voters. It's independent, Republican, and Democrat. 49% surveyed said that they were Democrats. 70% of the poll respondents considered themselves a Democrat or something other than a Republican, and 30% surveyed were Republican. The point is this. Some 79% of, of voters in California, when Prop 1 was explained to them, concluded that's too extreme. We don't mind a baby being aborted at six months in pregnancy, but Prop 1? Even the Democrats said it's too extreme. You know how hard it is for us to get this Rasmussen poll out in, on the media? It's almost impossible. We have an agency getting word out to all the channels and all the media. They want to talk about it. Maybe you're a Democrat here tonight and you're having second thoughts about supporting a murderous party. Guess what? Fellow Democrats say Proposition 1 is too extreme. Newsom has lost his mind. But you'll just probably vote Democrat because your dad voted Democrat and your dad before your grandpa voted Democrat and, or, you, or, may, or you'll think. And believe me, you know me. I'm no fan of Republicans. But at least the platform of one says pro-life and the other platform says pro-death. Addressing the false argument and illogical usage of being pro-choice, this doesn't work. I've given you 45 minutes to leave the sanctuary because uh, if you think this has been cute and funny up until now, you won't after this. So I, was, I still recommend you uh, if you can't, if you have a weak stomach, now's the time to go because you're about to see. You know, I, I took my lead on this, by the way, from Brigitte Gabriel. She's a friend of mine. Lisa and I love her and her husband, Greg. And um, Brigitte told me, she said, you know, the biggest problem we're making regarding terrorism is that when Nicholas Berg and Daniel Pearl were beheaded, the American media did not show the beheading on TV like the Middle East media did. You know, the Middle East media saw the, you see the whole thing, and some of us watched the whole thing. You should have seen it. You want to know why? It would have changed your mind. 
can't do that. The only hope for this nation is if we change our mind and seek God and repent of what we've done. So guys, number six. First witness is Dr. Anthony Levitino. Dr. Levitino is a board certified obstetrician gynecologist. Over the course of his career, Dr. Levitino has practiced obstetrics and gynecology in both private and university settings, including as an associate professor of OBGYN at the Albany Medical College. And Dr. Levitino, we'll begin with you. Welcome. Thank you, Chairman and members of the committee. Um, I only have five minutes, so I'm going to get right to it. Second trimester D&E abortions perform between roughly 14 and 24 weeks of gestation. Your patient today is 17 years old. She's 22 weeks pregnant. Her baby is the length of your hand plus a couple of inches. And she's been feeling her baby kick for the last several weeks. And she's asleep on an operating room table. You walk into that operating room scrubbed and gowned, and after removing laminaria, you introduce a suction catheter into the uterus. This is a 14 French suction catheter. If she were 12 weeks pregnant or less, basically the width of your hand is smaller, you could basically do the entire procedure with this. But babies this big don't fit through catheters this size. After suctioning the amniotic fluid out from around the baby, you introduce an instrument called a sofa clamp. It's about 13 inches long. It's made of stainless steel. The business end of this clamp is about two and a half inches long and a half inch wide. There are rows of sharp teeth. This is a grasping instrument. When it gets a hold of something, it does not let go. A DNA procedure is a blind abortion, so picture yourself introducing this and grabbing anything you can blindly and pull, and I do mean hard, and out pops a leg about that big, which you put down on the table next to you. Reach in again, pull again, pull out an arm about the same length, which you put down on the table next to you and use this instrument again and again to tear out the spine, the intestines, the heart and lungs. Head in the baby that size is about the size of a large plum. Can't see it, but you pretty good idea you've got it if you've got your instrument around something and your fingers are spread about as far as they go. You know you did it right if you crush down on the instrument and white material runs out of the cervix. That was the baby's brains. Then you can pull out skull pieces. And you have a day like I had a lot of times, sometimes a little face comes back and stares back at you. Congratulations, you just successfully performed a second trimester d abortion. You just affirmed your right to choose. Why did you end your practice of doing abortions? I did over 1,200 abortions over a four-year period in private practice, not counting the ones that I did during my training. Um, I met my wife at, um, during my first year of training at Albany Medical Center. We got married about a year later and found that we had an infertility problem. After years of failed infertility treatment, and several years trying to adopt a child. We were blessed with adopting a, a little girl that we named Heather in August of 1978. Um, as sometimes happens in those situations, my wife got pregnant the very next month and we had two children 10 months apart. Um, two months short of my daughter Heather's sixth birthday, she was killed in an auto accident and literally died in her arms in the back of an ambulance. Anyone who has children might think they have some idea of what that feels like, but unless you've been through it yourself, you have no idea whatsoever. Um, I know people find it hard to believe, but uh, what do you do after disaster? You bury your child and then you go back to your life. And I don't remember exactly how long it was after my daughter died that I showed up at 
Albany Medical Center OR number nine to perform my first second trimester d &E abortion. I wasn't thinking of it as anything special. This was routine to me. Um, but I reached in, literally pulled out an arm or leg and got sick. You know, earlier on I described stacking up body parts on the side of the table. It's not to, you know, gross people out, to use a simple term. When you do an, an abortion, you need to keep inventory. You have to make sure you get two arms and two legs and all the pieces. If you don't, your patient's going to come back infected, bleeding, or dead. Um, so I soldiered on and finished that abortion. And I know it sounds, as I said, hard for people to believe, but I'm, I'm telling you straight up my experience. You know, after over 1,200 abortions, first and second trimester up to 24 weeks and all the rest of it, and being very dedicated to it, for the first time in my life, I really looked. I really looked at that pile of body parts on the side of the table. And I didn't see her wonderful right to choose, and I didn't see all the money I just made. All I could see was somebody's son or daughter. And I stopped doing late-term abortions after that, and several months later stopped doing all abortions. Mm. Guys, can you want to, for time's sake, can you do uh, clip seven? This is the same doctor. My name is Dr. Anthony Levitino. I'm a practicing obstetrician gynecologist, and I performed over 1,200 abortions. First, we're going to describe a first trimester medical abortion. This is a procedure in which the mother swallows pills in order to terminate her baby, and it is performed up to the ninth week of pregnancy. The procedure involves two steps. Step one, at the abortion clinic or doctor's office, the woman takes pills which contain mifepristone, also called RU46. RU46 blocks the action of a hormone called progesterone. Progesterone is naturally produced in the mother's body to stabilize the lining of the uterus. When RU46 blocks progesterone, the lining of the mother's uterus breaks down cutting off blood and nourishment to the baby, who then dies inside the mother's womb. It is important to note that even after it has been taken, it is possible to reverse the effects of RU46 and save the baby if progesterone is administered. The sooner, the better. Step two. 24 to 48 hours after taking RU46, the woman takes misoprostol, also called Cytotec, that is administered either orally or vaginally. RU46 and misoprostol together cause severe cramping, contractions, and often heavy bleeding to force the dead baby out of the woman's uterus. The process can be very intense and painful, and the bleeding and contractions can last from a few hours to several days. While she could lose her baby anytime and anywhere during this process, the woman will often sit on a toilet as she prepares to expel the child, which she will then flush. She may even see her dead baby within the pregnancy sac. At nine weeks, for example, the baby will be almost an inch long, and if she looks carefully, she might be able to count the fingers and toes. After she has disposed of her baby, the woman may have bleeding and spotting for several weeks. Bleeding lasts, on average, nine to 16 days. 8% of women bleed more than 30 days, and 1% require hospitalization because of heavy bleeding. RU46 is only FDA approved for the first seven weeks of pregnancy. While RU46 can be used off-label up to nine weeks, the failure rate increases as the pregnancy progresses. At seven weeks, it has a 5% failure rate. At eight weeks, an 8% failure rate. And at nine weeks, a 10% failure rate. If failure occurs, she will usually be offered a surgical abortion. 
For the mother, medical abortion often causes abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, headache, and heavy bleeding. Maternal deaths have occurred most frequently due to infection and undiagnosed ectopic pregnancy. First trimester surgical abortion called suction DNC, dilatation and curatage. This is the most frequently performed abortion and is used typically from 5 to 13 weeks of pregnancy. After administering anesthesia, the abortionist uses a speculum like this. This is placed inside the vagina and opened using this screw on the side, allowing the abortionist to see the cervix, the entrance to the uterus. The cervix acts as a gate that stays closed for the duration of pregnancy, protecting the baby until it is ready for birth. The abortionist uses a series of metal rods called dilators, like these, which increase in thickness and inserts them into the cervix to dilate it, gaining access to the inside of the uterus where the baby resides. The baby has a heartbeat, fingers, toes, arms, and legs, but its bones are still weak and fragile. The abortionist takes a suction catheter like this one. This is a 14 French suction catheter. It's clear plastic, about nine inches long, and it has a hole through the center. It is inserted through the cervix into the uterus. The suction machine is then turned on with a force 10 to 20 times more powerful than your household vacuum cleaner. The baby is rapidly torn apart by the force of the suction and squeezed through this tubing down into the suction machine, followed by the placenta. Though the uterus is mostly emptied at this point, one of the risks of a suction DNC is incomplete abortion. Essentially, pieces of the baby or placenta left behind. This can lead to infection or bleeding. In an attempt to prevent this, the abortionist uses a curette to scrape a lining of the uterus. The curette is basically a long-handled curved blade. Once the uterus is empty, the speculum is removed and the abortion is complete. The risks of suction DNC include perforation or laceration of the uterus or cervix, potentially damaging intestine, bladder, and nearby blood vessels, hemorrhage, infection, and in rare instances, even death. Future pregnancies are also at a greater risk for loss or premature delivery due to abortion-related trauma and injury to the cervix. Second trimester surgical abortion called dilatation and evacuation, or D&E. A D&E is performed between 13 and 24 weeks of pregnancy. After administering anesthesia, the abortionist uses a weighted speculum, like this one, that opens the vagina widely. Because second trimester babies are so large, this greater access facilitates a late-term abortion. Late-term abortion requires that the cervix be prepared 24 to 48 hours in advance with laminaria. Laminaria is a type of sterilized seaweed that absorbs water <coughs> over 8 to 12 hours and swells to several times its original diameter. Once removed, metal dilators can be used to further open the cervix as needed. Once the cervix has been stretched open, the suction tube is placed inside. A baby at 20 weeks gestation is as big as the length of my hand, from head to rump, not counting the legs. The suction machine is turned on, and pale yellow amniotic fluid surrounding the baby is suctioned out through the catheters. With babies this big, they don't fit through catheters this size. The baby's bones and skull are too strong to be torn apart by suction alone. 20 weeks. This is a sofa clamp. A sofa clamp is made of stainless steel. It's about 13 inches long. The business end is about two and a half inches long and a half inch wide, and there are rows of sharp teeth. This is a grasping instrument. When it gets a hold of something, it does not let go. The abortionist uses this clamp to grasp an arm or a leg. 
Once he has a firm grip, the abortionist pulls hard in order to tear the limb from the baby's body. One by one, the rest of the limbs are removed, along with the intestines, the spine, and the heart and lungs. Usually the most difficult part of the procedure is extracting the baby's head, which is about the size of a large plum at 20 weeks. The head is grasped and crushed. The abortionist knows he has crushed the skull when a white substance comes out of the cervix. This was the baby's brains. The abortionist then removes skull pieces. He removes the placenta and any leftover parts of the baby with a curette, scraping the lining of the uterus for any remaining tissue. The abortionist then collects the baby parts and reassembles them to make sure that there are two arms, two legs, and all the pieces. Once all the parts have been accounted for, the abortion is complete. For the woman, this procedure carries a significant risk of major complications, including perforation or laceration of the uterus or cervix, with possible damage to the bowel, bladder, and other maternal organs. Infection and hemorrhage can also occur, which can even lead to death. Future pregnancies are also at greater risk for loss or premature delivery due to abortion-related trauma and injury to the cervix. Finally, I'm going to describe a third trimester induced abortion, which is performed at 25 weeks to term. At this point, the baby is almost fully developed and viable, meaning he or she could survive outside the womb if the mother were to go into labor prematurely. Because the baby is so large and developed, this procedure takes three or four days to complete. On day one, the abortionist uses a large needle to inject a drug called digoxin. Digoxin is generally used to treat heart problems, but a high enough dosage of digoxin will cause fatal cardiac arrest. The abortionist inserts the needle with the digoxin through the women's abdomen or through her vagina and into the baby, targeting either the head, torso, or heart. The baby will feel it. Babies at this stage feel pain. When the needle pierces the baby's body and the digoxin takes effect, the life of the baby will end. The abortionist then inserts multiple sticks of seaweed called laminaria into the woman's cervix. They will slowly open up the cervix for delivery of a stillborn baby. While the woman waits for the laminaria to dilate her cervix, she carries her dead baby inside of her for two to three days. On day two, the abortionist replaces the laminaria and may perform a second ultrasound to ensure the baby is dead. If the child is still alive, he administers another lethal dose of digoxin. The woman then goes back to where she is staying while her cervix continues to dilate. If she goes into labor and is unable to make it to the clinic in time, she will give birth at home or in a hotel. In this case, she may be advised to deliver her baby into a bathroom toilet. The abortionist then comes to remove the baby and clean up. If she can make it to the clinic, she will do so during her severest contractions and deliver her dead son or daughter. If the baby does not come out whole, then the procedure becomes a DNE, a dilation and evacuation, and the abortionist uses clamps and forceps to dismember the baby, piece by piece. Once the placenta and all the body parts have been removed, the abortion is complete. Late-term abortions have a high risk of hemorrhage, lacerations, and uterine perforations, as well as a risk of maternal death. Future pregnancies are also at a greater risk for loss or premature delivery due to abortion-related trauma and injury to the cervix. As I mentioned at the beginning, I'm Dr. Anthony Levitino, and in the early part of my career as an OBGYN, I performed over 1,200 abortions. 
One day, after completing one of those abortions, I looked at the remains of a pre-born child whose life I had ended, and all I could see was someone's son or daughter. I came to realize that killing a baby at any stage of pregnancy for any reason is wrong. I want you to know today, no matter where you're at or what you've done, you can change. Make a decision today to protect the preborn. So very quickly, we're out of time. Micah chapter 6, verse 6 and 7 says, What can I bring to the Lord? Should I bring him burnt offerings? Should I bow before God most high with offerings of yearling calves? Should I offer him thousands of rams, 10,000 rivers of, oil, of olive oil? Should I sacrifice my firstborn child to pay for my sins? Let's end on a high note, and it's a beautiful note. Just recently at church, a family that we've been in contact with, um, mom went into labor with her twins, and um, a couple of weeks ago, her physicians told her, abort, you need to abort these babies. Five days after they said abort, she went into labor the other day and delivered these two babies. And I wanna remind you that what you're gonna see is taken from their iPhone. We asked permission from them for this tonight. And this age group is being uh, and shall be murdered by Gavin Newsom's actions. Gavin Newsom, Democrat. Democrat legislature in California, supermajority. Unlimited power to do what they want. Every single one of them, every one of them, including locally Freddie Rodriguez, is pro-death. How one person could vote for one person like that is an abomination. But here's some good news, if you guys would play this. Look at you moving your arms around. Oh my gosh, look at you. Oh, that's so precious, yeah. Oh my gosh, you're stretching. You're st Hi. Hi. You want out of that burrito, don't you? Yeah. 22 weeks. So listen. Yeah, pray for them. Pray for them. So I asked staff today if they knew anything about early deliveries that survived. And I wound up only using these here. Uh, Caleb, in 2002, Caleb was born at 22 weeks. 
He's now 20 years old. What about baby Jane, who was born at 23 weeks, who was in the NIC unit, ICU, uh, NICU, for 134 days? She's now five years old, and she's got a two-year-old brother that she torments. <laughs> Newsom, said, Newsom would have said, kill it. This is a quote, Pastor Jack, I thought we are, Pastor Jack, I thought our little Verity was an amazing miracle at 28 weeks, weighing one pound and 13 ounces. She was in the ICU for 90 days. She just turned 15 years old, praise the Lord. <laughs> and finally, someone who works for Real Radio, for Real, I'm sorry, for Real Impact, she said that uh, just had two grandbabies who were born at 24 weeks. They're both doing great and are now five months old and she gives their names, Logan and Brielle. You have ballots at home and you need to know who you're voting for. To say that you're not going to vote means you've cast your vote. Evil must be stopped, not ignored. Not voting is being complicit. You must vote. You must vote a biblical worldview that honors God, not your emotions, not your feelings, not your family, not your ethnicity, God. And this church is an authorized ballot collection station. Don't mail your ballot back in. Don't mail it in. I do believe, can someone help me? Is this, do we have Sunday collection this Sunday? Does anybody know? Yes, the 16th. Yes, thank you. Like what I'm gonna do, I'll be bringing my ballot this Sunday There'll be all of the necessary protections to ensure your vote is safely received, secured in a locked, state-approved box, steel box, and then your ballot will be taken by security to the registrar of voters office in your county, because this church has people from every county. And we have teams, and we've been doing this for a long time. And don't mail it, don't mail it in. Bring it here. And so I know I, I may have rocked some of you, but if there was ever a matter of life and death, this is it. Tell your friends they cannot vote Democrat. Tell them. And I cannot mention what I'm going to show you. It shuts down all the algorithm, the computers stop me dead in, tra dead in my tracks. So I've also been told that there's a visual algorithm that does it, but it's not as effective. 
So I'm gonna run the risk. Notice I've waited to the end of this program. Let me say this. Jesus Christ forgives all manner of sin. If you made your girlfriend get an abortion, you need to repent before God and ask God to forgive you, young man or sir. If young man or uh, young woman or, or ma'am, if you've had an abortion or abortions in your life, Jesus forgives. Take it to him. He'll give you a brand new start. By the way, wouldn't you, want, wouldn't you like to see your baby grown up in heaven? Imagine that. And then finally this. Do everything you can to pray and to get involved with love life. That's our ministry here. God is blessing it dramatically. But don't let your friends talk over you or try to drown you out. Tell them, abortion is murder. There's no such thing as pro-choice after you have sex. After that, it's only pro-life or pro-death. So we're asking you to make sure that at home, you have your ballot. And this opportunity is going to be there for you to vote no on this. Go to this site. Go to this site where there are people now joining us, helping us. That I should have got harder, stiffer paper, huh? Uh, so you get the point. There are people joining us from across the United States. And uh, some of them, I will not mention their names, very big names, who are saying this evil must stop in California by Californians who care. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. He rose again from the dead. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And we need to do the right thing. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. God bless you. This Jack Hibbs podcast, as well as all the broadcast outreach opportunities, are listener supported. Will you consider partnering with us through a special gift? Go to jackhibbs.com to learn more and stay connected.